Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we have an incredibly special guest with us. One of maybe my favorite people on Twitter, perhaps even one of my favorite people in the entire universe. It is your boy, Taylor Kyles from NFL Next Gen Stats. I mean, come on, dude. Like, let's go. Taylor, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for coming on again. We uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming through. Appreciate you guys having me, man. This is family. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna I'm we're gonna put you through the ring. ringer. We're gonna put you through the yeah. ringer, man. You're the, the tape eater. Oh yeah. Give me all these. You're saying NFL next gen, so I need to I need to bring my A game. So hey, got to live up me. to it. Test my metal. <laughs> no doubt. That's it. That's it. So everything good. Everything's good out in LA. Enjoying, good, enjoying the, enjoying the sun out in LA. Sunny, it's hot as hell. I'm a sweaty boy, but you know what? I'm wearing a lot of white shirts when I'm outside. So <laughs> that's smart. Figuring it out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's smart. All right, let's dive right in. Let's dive right into some football here. The Patriots' offense really couldn't have looked much worse than it did in Week One, and it didn't look worse than it did in Week Two because I thought there were, I saw some improvement. Right? Did you see some improvement? And what? Specifically, do you think the Patriots did better in week two than they did in week one? Fewer communication lapses and not even really communication because they were all really on Trent Brown, like the really bad ones. Um, there was another one of those on Mac Jones's interception. Um, Alex Highsmith pulled off called a coffee stunt um, or coffee house, whatever it is, where basically a player pretends to drop into coverage and then they blitz late. And they completely fooled Trent Brown. He went to block another guy, and then Highsmith came in while it's Mac Jones, and that was the play where he ended up throwing the really bad interception. So, um, uh, you know, that was definitely an improvement. I thought pass protection, especially considering it was the Steelers, was much better uh, than it was the week before. Although I think when they have one-on-one matchups, they're fine. It's really right. just about the, you know – finishing your assignment at the end of the day. Um, also, Nelson Aguilar actually got involved. He didn't really have a huge impact week one, and obviously week two he looked like Devontae Parker, <laughs> which yeah. is a little weird. And Devontae Parker looked like last year's Nelson Aguilar a little bit. Um, Nikhil Harry. So, um, so, yeah, you know, obviously having more than one person to throw to outside of Jacoby Myers is pretty helpful. Um, there were definitely some errors and ways that I remember I tweeted during the game that it might have been Mac Jones's worst game. Um, in terms of his processing and his execution after the snap, because he's usually on point with those things, and he very rarely makes two pretty egregious mental mistakes. I thought he made like three or four in that game. Uh, so, you know, definitely things they need to work on. I don't think there's a lot of long-term concerns with Mac Jones processing and everything, but, hey, they're taking the baby steps. Uh, the run game was also very good against a very stout Steelers line as well. I didn't expect them to be able to run as effectively as they did. Um, so, like you said, definitely improvements, but also, you know, things that you want to see them improve on as well. And this is an offense so far. They've run, I think, seven snaps of play action this entire season. It's something like that. One of the lowest rates in all of football. We're not seeing a lot of screens. 
they have not passed on a single RPO yet this year. From what you're seeing on tape, is this because they're still establishing stuff? I mean, the offense looks simple to me. Would you guess that that's just because they're working through communication errors? They had that delay game, too, because mm -hmm. they the guys on the same page last week. They have actually thrown on a couple of the RPOs. They threw a smoke screen to Nelson Aguilar, and they tried a screen. I think it was to Johnny. They got blown up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Just a great diagnosis. Was, by the Was that an defender. RPO? I didn't see that as an RPO. Yeah, he put it down. Usually, I mean, if you usually get that run action that aggressively, mm -hmm. kind of, especially now that teams are more comfortable with RPOs, it doesn't make as much sense to really like have the entire run action if you're going to be thrown outside anyway. So that I would have classified as an RPO. Play action was something that I actually said after they played the Dolphins. You know, that was a whole topic of discussion. They only used it a couple times. But I remembered that last year, Max' first drop back of his professional career, he got strip sacked on a play action pass because the Dolphins sent a corner blitz on right. the short side of the field. And he turned around and was just immediately under pressure. And, and threw it and backwards. Then, right. And then <laughs> I think uh, almost every time they went under center, they showed some – or the Dolphins had some kind of blitz. So my interpretation was I thought they learned from that and were saying, okay, it doesn't make sense to have Mac turn his back to the defense, look downfield, and oh, my God, there's somebody right in his face. So I thought it was actually a pretty smart move. Also, the Steelers, their team that tends to throw some blitzes and under center looks. Um, but then Belichick commented on it this week and actually confirmed that, one, the blitzes were a part of it because if there's a blitzer, the running back isn't faking anyway. So you're not really having a lot of effect because there isn't really a play fake. And if someone's blitzing, they're blitzing. You know, you're not right. going to make them hesitate because they think it's a run. They're still going to be attacking downhill. Um, he also said something similar, I believe, for cover two with the deep safeties because their priority is to play deep. That I kind of disagree with because last year against the Texans, they had a lot of success with the pulling guard. Um, that would usually get the middle player in the cover two to bite up. And then you get the seams and the crossers wide open down the middle of the field. But at the same time, they're clearly using more spread concepts, which is what Mac did in college. Um, so I think a lot of what we're seeing is them trying to – obviously, they threw out the old system because it was built for two people who are no longer in the building. Right. And as Mac has said in the past – again, I've said this a few times. I think it's a very underrated quote that he had where he said he um, expects to learn and grow with Matt Patricia for a while. So it seems that Mac's interpretation is that Patricia is going to be – Kind of like his not his Josh McDaniels because Brady came in with Charlie Weiss and right. then Josh McDaniels QB coach and then there was progression. Um, so Mac has a harder time, but at least he has a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator who isn't running things. He's under Belichick again. So Belichick obviously is very good at managing personalities, you know, putting his coaching staffs in positions where they can be successful. And I think it's smart to one, yeah, Belichick who's good at cross training, and Patricia is a brilliant defensive mind. So it's kind of similar to what Brady and Belichick used to do, where Brady and Belichick would have their meetings every week and discuss what they, you know, what Brady liked, what Belichick saw. And that's a huge part of uh, Brady's development was that he was learning from someone who saw it through a defensive perspective. And Belichick also learned because Brady was a brilliant, is a brilliant quarterback. So he got to see what it was like through the eyes of a Hall of Fame passer who's one of the smartest people to ever play the position. Right. I also Excellent. I think it's worth okay. mentioning Matt Patricia also spent time on the offensive side of the ball when he first mm -hmm. came into the organization. You're going to work with the offense when you're a head coach. And he was a special assistant or whatever it was last mm -hmm. year. I think it's fair to assume he was doing at least a little bit of learning about the offense then. So this isn't a guy who just switched overnight from defensive coordinator to offensive play caller. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, I mean, you get, so again, you got Alabama system, which I think they're trying to incorporate. Mac mentioned that with the RPOs, he actually directly mentioned 
the fact that Saban would rip his defense because they would miss their assignments. And Mac acknowledged it's also just hard on the defense because they're playing run, but it's also pass. So they're not really doing something necessarily wrong unless it's specifically coached like, okay, this is the formation. This is the key. Do not bite on the run because they're going to throw a slant right behind your head. Um, so they're trying to make it more for Mac. And I just think it's too early to be saying, oh, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? It's two weeks. If you're scouting a team, you go through at least four weeks of film. Right. So we don't even have enough of a sample size to say, oh, this is a trend. There are no trends. Yeah. They came out with a different game plan than they did last week. It's like, oh, they don't use RPOs. They used five or six last week. Oh, they never used play action. They used over twice as much play action last week as they did before that. So we right. don't know what this offense is yet. You know, I think it's easy to criticize right now, but this is their extended preseason. We're learning. Yeah. People are in new roles. They're seeing what people do well, what works, what doesn't. They said they scrapped a ton of stuff in preseason. And one of the biggest examples was their outside zone scheme, where in the preseason, mm -hmm. they even acknowledged they were running into bad looks. They were running those plays. And I remember uh, people were saying that uh, Mac doesn't have any control at the line. He can't change plays. That's not true. It's the preseason. They're trying to see what they can do and what they can't do well. Great offensive lines may be able to compensate when they don't have the best look, which you don't want to run into anyway. But the Patriots are like, hey, let's just see what happens. If it doesn't work, these games don't count. So right. it looked bad. I remember I was saying yeah. it's, just, it's not a great fit for them. What did we see in the regular season? They adjusted by when they had poor angles in the run game, instead of just having everyone go on that straight path, the way you typically see on outside zone, where it's just that bucket step and everyone's kind of in unison, they would actually have guys pull if they were unblocked to get everyone better angles. So instead of, you know, David Andrews, who is a very good center, but he's not the athlete he used to be, instead of having to cross the face of a really athletic nose tackle, now he can down block on somebody else where he has the advantage and you get Cole Strange, who's a great athlete, in space to block those kinds of guys where he has the advantage. 100%. So this team is still learning. Yeah. And I, you know me, I'm always the optimist. Or I try to be at least. And I don't like having the big grand statements or anything. So maybe it's a cop out, but I think it's way too early to make declarative statements unless it's, oh, they're doing this well. Keep it up. Or you're doing this terribly. Please, please stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, what you mentioned is, I think, is, is spot on. Like, I, I know there was one play that, you know, Andrews couldn't reach a guy. There's no way he could reach him. So, strange blocks, down blocks him, right? And then and then Andrews pulls off him. Like, that's just, those are the types of things that, that they had to make corrections on, and they did. And I think part of the thing is, like, I know it's preseason, but, like, part of the thing is, like, just literally just put it on tape. Like, it doesn't matter what the defense looks like. You We just need to see you run it so that then we can correct you on the mistakes you're making, even if we know it's not going to work. You know what I mean? And they said that. They've literally gone out and said, yeah. you know, we're just trying to put stuff on tape and see. I think Belichick said it's not about the execution right now. It's seeing what we can do. You right. know what I mean? So, so if you're winning, like job. Max said also today, it's we have a W and an L. I don't really care about my stats. That's what it is. And that really is the first month of the season, especially as Pats fans we know, which just hang on for dear life yep. and hope <laughs> that they find something sooner rather than later or can at least grind out the tough games and say – all right, we're tough. We have guys who can make plays when we need to, and that's who we rely on until, you know, Matt gets his rapport together with Devontae Parker. Um, you know, Kendrick Bourne gets uh, back into the mix. Tyquan Thornton comes back. Like, this team is not going to look anything like it looks right now. It looks different last week than it did in the first week. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. just yeah. patience and try to take everything with a grain of salt. You know, the good is good, the bad is bad, but they're going to learn from this. And Belichick is running the offense. Like, let's make that perfectly clear. <laughs> Patricia's calling plays. This is Bill Belichick's offense. Right. He's been coaching so against Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, 
uh, all these advanced schemes where they, you know, Tua, where he's using the RPO all the time, but you can at least see, okay, you don't want to make this your entire scheme, but Belichick clearly knows there's advantages to this because we can't stop it. <laughs> Every yeah. year we have trouble defending RPOs. Yeah. So he knows, you know, what is hard for defenses to uh, play against. They do their self-evaluations. They know where they need to get better, where their offense sucked last year. And now we're seeing them try to correct those mistakes. So I guess my question here, we're talking about the way that they improved from week one to week two and they learning from their own mistakes. I look at a Baltimore defense that at least historically has kind of liked to throw the gauntlet at you. They like to bring exotic blitzes. There's similarity there between Baltimore and Miami and what they do on defense. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is, do you think from what you saw last week, do you think there were kind of enough lessons learned and things that they can apply to attack a similar style of defense better than they did in week one? Let's see. Well, the thing is, if you're talking about like exotic looks and things like that, those don't really bother Mac. And that's something that people don't appreciate enough when you talk about, oh, he doesn't run a 4-3 or he can't throw off his back foot 50 yards downfield. Most human beings can't do that. Most NFL quarterbacks can't do that. There's five, you know, and there's there's not a lot of people who can have the situation go to crap and still pull out a great play. Mac is very good off schedule. Uh, so that's one thing I don't think gets a lot of credit for when plays do break down. So if you have a shift in the coverage and a receiver runs the wrong route, he can at least find a way to make the play work or save a bad play. And then before that, you know, you don't see none of the blitzes that Miami or Pittsburgh were sending caught them off guard. You had Ty Montgomery, whoever was in the backfield, picking up a defensive back or a blitzing linebacker every time. It was just one person, again, Trent Brown, who was just having a bit of issues where these late rotations or these late blitzes are kind of catching them off guard. But and Mac is also not someone who will throw into a bad look if the defense does change and like he gets panicked and he's, you know, on play action, for example, when you turn your back, like you see single high safety play action, you look back and there's two guys deep. And now you have to understand what that means all over the field and for your progressions. He's fine with that. That's not what I'm really worried about. It's how comfortable is he throwing to all his guys, you know, with this new system, with them trying to work on everything. It's. I think Mac will be able to take advantage of whatever the defenses give him. Like the Ravens, I'm not sure they're going to play as much too deep as they have the past couple weeks uh, against this Patriots team because most you people don't need just to. go cover one. Exactly. Um, there's not really a lot of downfield threats to worry about right now. But if there's matchups, he'll find them. If the receivers aren't winning, then it's going to be a problem. Uh, I will say that, like I said, with the decision-making, there were two decisions that Mac made that I really didn't like. The pick to make it Fitzpatrick, obviously, where – I will give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in that he was about to get hammered and he knew that. But at the same time, you cannot loft a pass downfield against cover two. It's literally the worst thing you can do yeah. against, you know, that kind of coverage. And, and they, they showed cover three pre-snap and Minka Fitzpatrick's pretty good too. So he's not the only one that's going to make that mistake this year. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even think it was that much of a disguise. I, I don't think it was enough of a disguise a, to be like, oh, they little. fooled him. Like, I really just don't even think he saw where Fitzpatrick was. Yeah. Um. And then there was the play where he rolled. It was like the play against the Raiders where he threw the interception where he rolls out and tries to get somebody across his body and doesn't see a defender buzzing into the window and threw it right to him that luckily it wasn't intercepted. Yeah. You know, so it's really just those things where Mac needs to understand this is what I can or should do. And this is just the things where don't do them again. Like boneheaded decision. I get it. Everybody has those. You know, Aaron Rodgers makes really dumb decisions too. Tom Brady makes not nearly as many as the average quarterback, but what I'm saying is even the best yeah. of the best make yeah. throws where you're just like, what were you thinking? So right. 
you know, the whole deflate thing was because of Tom throwing to a linebacker right over the middle of the field that he didn't see. That's what right. started that off. Are we, are we Jackson? That? Are we bringing that up? Oh, no, we're not. God. No, we're not. I could go on for three <laughs> it's hours. Too late. I can't mentally handle that conversation. Um, That's but, a different you know, podcast. You, now you mentioned you mentioned having faith in your receivers, and one guy that I'm already, I I just Devontae Parker's killing me. He's killing me. He's just killing me. Because the, the thing is, right, is that not only is he not getting any separation from anyone ever, but then he's also, you know, and it's really one example, but, you know, he's, he did, showed zero fight against Xavier Howard on the interception. But the other part of it for me, and the biggest thing that's upset me is that I feel like half the time, if there's a check at the line of scrimmage, he's over there like, I, what what am I doing? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What am I doing? And, and I'm like, how does this guy still not know what he's doing? Like, and I know it's only two weeks into the into the regular season, but he's been running as the number one wide receiver since camp broke, right? He's been running in that same exact spot. He plays one position. That's all he's got to know. And so, like, when they run a check at the line of scrimmage and and they're calling plays out, you need to know what the hell you're doing. And you know, and he hasn't, right? And that burned them. It uh, didn't burn them in in the in the Raiders game, but in the Raiders game. He didn't know what he was doing. He just ran out and turned around. And it was like now Hunter Henry was running across the field. So Mac hit him on the run. Ended up being a nice play by Mac. But he had no idea what he was doing. And it just seems like that's happening too often. And I'm getting awfully sick of it. I just, I'm getting awfully sick of it. So it just, you know, I, I'm assuming you've seen the same thing. But maybe you haven't. I don't know. Speak to. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I would pump the, the brakes. It's back. it's frustrating. Well, I totally other, get it. Mac is throwing back to back interceptions targeting Devontae yeah. Parker in weeks. Like I completely understand. But again, you know me. When it comes right. to stuff like what's going on in the guy's head, I don't really get into that. I have no idea. We could find out at the end of the year that there was some reason where you're like, all right, I kind of right. get that. It was the first couple of weeks. because by the time you're in week 15, you don't give a shit. Poop. I don't know if I can swear. No, you're good. But you're you know, right. you don't care what happens. <laughs> I hope so. By week 15, as long as you, you got things figured out by then. Right. Vontae Parker seems confident. They did show flashes. And also, let's just clear the air. Vontae Parker is not a separator. He has never in his career right. been a separator. What Which he does true. do is catch everything in his vicinity. He's big, so he can box guys out. And usually you, he's got that alpha mentality where, like he said earlier in the um, I think it was the preseason, it's like 80-20 or 70-30, not 50-50 right. when you're throwing right. at me. Now, I think it's part, it could partially be just maybe he's not confident yet. This is a new system for him. He came into a system that was being overhauled. Even Jacoby Myers said that he was having trouble, although that was also probably because he had three years of the offer, two or three years, whatever, of um, one offense, and now he's got to you know, completely transition and figure all that out. Yeah. Um, it's clearly not a you know, silky smooth operation. So, you know, there's plenty of issues on this offense, and I don't think Devontae Parker is the reason that they're struggling. They have three guys on the rock. They have everybody but Devontae Parker, who gets a lot of snaps, has experience with Mac. I agree. So right now, focus on those guys. If you don't have one with Devontae Parker yet, well, uh, Nelson Aguilar was running curls on almost yeah. every one of his receptions last year. Like, it, I mean, sure, you can get him involved that way, but it's not like the X is the end-all, be-all of this. Oh, team. I agree. It's control the middle yeah. of the field. Well, listen, and the other I, part for me is that Bourne's not playing. That's, I think, what's what's most. He did more last week. He did more last week. He, he did. had a couple really he good did. plays. They they were yeah. that cross dagger, which it's mm -hmm. so it's a crossing route with um an in behind it. So if right. the defense takes away the first read, you say okay next, and then you hit it. Um, Bourne had two catches on that. 
And then that was both against cover one, which again, the Patriots offense sees a lot of because teams don't respect them. And then you had Aguilar winning on the fade. And those are two plays where you at least have confidence that they don't have to just have the routes over the middle. Yeah. Like, um, and then there's teams like Buffalo who are going to make it even harder on them. They're going to say, you're not throwing the dig or the crosser. You're throwing something outside the numbers. Like where they like, we're playing with crazy hard inside leverage yeah. in the uh, couple games where Mac actually threw the ball. And they were just like, there's absolutely no way we're going to let you do anything that isn't throwing accurately outside the numbers. So we'll see how efficient they are when they're really challenged in that way. Um, but again, last week I thought was at least the step forward that you would hope to see with a team that's going to see a lot of the same defenses and needs to prove like, hey, can you – like our guys versus your guys, can you win? And Aguilar showed it. I thought Bourne showed it on a couple plays where he had contested catches. So, you know, I, baby steps, but – Remember, this is extended preseason. Frustrating. Yeah, no I, fans hate it, but they won a lot of Super Bowls with extended preseasons. Different yeah. circumstances because you had Brady, but you know, there's it's a learning process, is the point. Yeah, and I, I think last week was one of the better weeks that their receivers have had against man coverage in the post-Brady era. You actually had guys winning stuff. I thought Jacoby Myers in some ways had one of his best games as a Patriot, just as a chain mover and some of the some of the completions he had. He had one, uh, I think it was in I think it was the fourth quarter where he won on an in route and he just mm -hmm. outfought the corner, got to that spot. You could see how hyped he was after it. And I, I think he's really coming into his own this year. I think he's taken his game to another level. I think you also have a variety of receivers that do things in different ways that can win in mm -hmm. different ways. We've seen Aguilar win outside the numbers last week, but they're asking him to do more over the middle of the field mm -hmm. where his speed is really routes. an asset. But yeah, he's mm -hmm. so dangerous there, which, by the way, I think that could be a preview of what they ask Tyquan Thornton to do, and I'm very excited for that. Mm -hmm. But uh, Aguilar, after the catch, I think he there were two different plays where he was about a shoestring away from breaking it for another 10 or 20 yards, yeah, and was, you can see pissed. it. He was pissed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they got him and, literally by his shoestring, and he knew if he broke yeah. that, he had the sideline. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. And, <laughs> and they, I mean, I like the way they're rotating the receivers, too. All five guys, if you're including LJ Humphrey over there, all five of them do something different. And when you rotate them, you put them in different positions. You're never going to have an elite group of three receivers on the field if you're an 11 personnel, but you're never going to have a bad one either. If And if two of them, you can be confident in winning and getting separation against a man or even one on a given play, that can be enough to move the chains, keep you going. And hopefully the big play has come with time. Right. And that's one thing I hope that once everybody's more comfortable, Mac will see the field better. Um, yeah. I think, again, a lot of his bad decisions have just been like, I don't think he because we know he's smart. Like we've seen it. We hear about it all the time. It's there. Like, you know, he's good. Most of the time he needs to work on his eyes and looking off defenders in the right circumstances. But there's not a lot of quarterbacks who really do that on a consistent basis anyway. Like you'll see Mac just nonchalantly like try to pump. And it's, it's, he has a lot of just very instinctive things about him where you understand he knows how to play the position. He needs to be able to trust everybody to be where they're supposed to be. And then he says, okay, you're not there, but I know without having to look and confirm that I'm going to have another guy who's going to be open because they took this away. Like when you think about it, anytime the Patriots were doing well under Brady, they had at least three guys he trusted. It's usually uh, one of the slot guys, whether it was, you know, Amendola, Edelman, sometimes at the same time. You had Gronk, you had the running backs, Marine, James White, and Falk. He usually has at least three guys where he can rely on them to make the tough plays, do what they need to do, all that stuff. But when right. he didn't, and when Gronk was missing time, and then, oh no, Edelman's going to be out for this week. And then all you have is James White and a bunch of guys who he doesn't really 
target super often or he doesn't have that rapport that you see with the others, that was when you'd see the Patriots. It's like, oh, no, what's wrong with them? They can't move the ball without Gronk. It's like, yeah, you need difference makers on offense and people that the quarterback can trust to make those plays. I think that Aguilar is finally becoming one of those guys. Hunter Henry was last year, but he tailed off at the end. And then this year, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's not looked good. I like him as a person. I loved what he did as a charger. I liked what I saw earlier from him last year, but he's hurt or what, but like, he's not running routes, right. He's not blocking well at all. I mean, at all, it's really bad. Um, And I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who talks like that, but I just, I, it's, it's blowing my mind. And it's, I think think why they put LJ on the field last week because they were like, Hunter can't. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys... It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, so, um, but my I think, point is, I'm sorry. I'm pretty yeah. sure Hunter Henry's PFF grade at, point, at this point this season is about the same or even lower than anybody in the group they had in 2020. Mm. Um, Ryan Which is, is over those guys. Yeah, and obviously... PFF, you got to confirm with the tape, but from what I've seen on the tape, to well, me, Jonu Smith is the clear tight end one at this point. And, the and hard... I like what they're doing with John. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to say the hard part is that I, I don't think Jonu can run the routes that Hunter Henry ran last year. I just, he's not that guy. So, like, without Henry being able to run those classic tight end routes that the Patriots have always ran, you don't have a guy that can do that. And so, like, that, that in and of itself is challenging because. To have him as a guy that was like Max number one. Tar- I mean, at times last year, he was like the go-to. Guy. I mean, obviously, Jacoby was always a go-to guy. But like he was like the number two guy on offense all year last year or for good chunks of the year last year. And he's just a complete non-factor this year. It's 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 alarming for me, you know. Yeah. And again, I he might be hurt. Like it's just so jarring that I have to assume that something's wrong, which well, I don't want to like go in on him. He's never been a great run blocker anyway. It's just yeah. this year, it's it, he's like Bad. whiffing. Um, and Janu, they're actually trying to, I like what they're trying to do with him. They threw him a fade a couple weeks ago where he actually got open. Mac didn't throw a catchable mm-hmm. ball. Um, he won like decisively on a corner route, which I think is one of his best routes. He's a mm-hmm. stiff route runner just because I think he's like a leggy guy and there's not a lot of uh, knee bend. So when he's breaking at the top, he really has to rely on his hands. And Hunter Henry is good at that because he's just bigger, so he's really good. You'll see him usually, like, out-leverage a defender where he'll run an out and the defender's right, you know, on his outside hip playing it. He'll just throw him as soon as the guy tries to make contact, the way kind of you saw with Gronk and most he got open a couple times on He got open a couple times on that on Sunday, too. It, right. So some players were Mac didn't necessarily look his way, but you could just see him mm-hmm. chucking the guy, like, getting both hands on him, and I'm going to go. 
Right. And, th- and that's one of those things where, yeah, he's still doing things right, but he's also blatantly doing things wrong. And it's one of those where in certain situations, Mac may not feel comfortable expecting him to be open. And there was, like, I think there were like a couple where he just threw short to Jacoby in situations where I was like, okay, you're trying to just, you know, uh, uh, make it a positive play. Don't necessarily want to risk throwing it downfield. Certain situations, I can respect that. You know, you don't go broke taking a profit. But there's also times where I just don't think Devonte Parker, the same thing. There's times where he's open as well, and Mac just is not looking at him at all. LJ Humphrey, although oh that, that one was less on excusable one. because that was bad. Like he, I, I don't know if it was the go to Parker or the shallow to Myers that was doubled, but he had Humphrey wide open down the middle and completely missed him. I don't know what was up with that. That was another one of those where you question him seeing the field. But I mean, if you only have. Myers and Aguilar and Aguilar is a third receiver who rotates. Right. It's a pretty tough position to put yourself in. Yeah. And if you're talking about Janu as a route runner too, I was just, I was going through some of the tape right before this. And I thought I noticed they asked him to run more overs last week. And I just, I don't think he had great feel on it. He doesn't know yeah, if the, because if the guy's in off coverage, he's still kind of waiting on the break and taking it awkwardly and letting the guy get back into the play instead of just going across the field. So you have yeah. now it's becoming a contested catch situation if they try to throw it. And on Parker down the field too. I mean, we saw Aguilar didn't get a lot of looks at points last year. Mm-hmm. I wonder if some of it's being the X receiver for Mac, if he's just not as comfortable throwing those. It's also mm-hmm. a, a chemistry thing. I just, they don't, I don't think they have that trust yet. Like you said, then that's why it's, it, in this sport, it matters a lot more what you're doing in week 15 than what you're doing in week three. Right. And I think they want to. Like, I don't think it's that, oh, Mac doesn't like throwing to the X. Because we saw him preseason. Uh, I think we saw a little earlier this year. If he gets the one-on-one matchups, he wants to take them. Like, last year, every single t- almost every time the um, Dolphins played cover one in the first game, he tried to throw a fade. It's every time. He's trying to take advantage of those opportunities where he's like, all right, it's my guy versus your guy. Let's see who can make the plays. Who's made them so far? Jacoby and Aguilar. And, right. you know, obviously he missed it. And Meyer and uh, Kendrick Bourne. Three yep. guys that he's used to. And who did he miss to? Johnny Smith, who he's not really used to throwing to downfield. He missed to Devontae Parker twice because, uh, you know, I feel like he just kind of locks in on him once he's downfield and says, I'm throwing it to my guy. Um, but like you said, it, like we've all said, it's going to take time. They need to get more comfortable. We'll see what happens. But what I do like is how aggressive Mac is being. Yeah. You know, he's not taking the short stuff. He, there's some times where he'll check it down. And again, that's him just, I think, being smart and just saying, hey, I'll put us in a good position. Or if we have to convert third and two, we can do that. That's not a problem for them. They're very good in third and manageable situations. But when they get the penalties and they keep yeah. getting freaking second and 20, third and 16. Yeah, not good. You can't ask your defense, to, you can't ask your offense to consistently convert those situations. And that's been a problem going back to last year. The dumb penalties that get them in these positions where they have to make these spectacular plays or they end up going three and out. So that's another thing that we need to talk about is keep them staying on schedule. When they're on schedule, they're usually okay. When yeah. they get in long yardage and teams know what's going to happen, it makes it that much harder on a receiving core that just is clearly still trying to find its way. Yeah. When you look at the penalties and the missed field goal last week, well, that's 52 yards. They probably should have had 23, 27 points. I don't know how you're looking at it. There are a lot more opportunities there. And I think we're talking about this a lot differently if they get in the end zone one more time or if they just mm-hmm. add one more field goal, if they're just not making some of these dumb mistakes and also just from a statistical perspective they had nine drives where they were trying to score you add Mm -hmm. like 
you had just that one missed field goal and all of a sudden you're over two points a drive and people were talking about, all right, this offense is doing pretty decently. When I think too, right. like when you look at it and say, okay, it was a 52 yard field goal, which it was, but on third down, Isaiah Wynn jumps, you know, jumps and gets a false start. Now that's a 47 yard field goal instead of a 52 yard field goal. And Nick Folk turns into a pumpkin at 50 yards. He just like, <laughs> he's amazing inside of 50. He's amazing. He's locked in. He's like the best kicker in the league inside of 50 yards. He hits that 50 yard marker for some reason. And he just like, he's like, I mean, isn't 56. he the oldest guy on the team? He might be one of the oldest guys on he the might, team, to be yeah. fair. Like, it's no, it is. I mean, that's, he, and, you know. he and Devin are the, yeah, the guys. I mean, you'll take it. Man. Listen, I, I will never complain about Nick Folk because he's so automatic inside the 50. It doesn't matter. And if we're kicking field goals that are 55 yards, it's like, look, I mean, that's a shot in the dark, anyways. You know, like, unless you have Justin Tucker, like, it's just, you know, you're not, you're not guaranteed to hit that. So, I'll take it's it. Still, it's still so yeah. weird. It's still so weird to me how much we love Nick Folk after what he did to us as a Jet. I know it's, it's still bizarre. Sometimes I'm like, I still see you <laughs> kicking the winning field goal after that stupid penalty on Chris Jones in like 2015. I yeah. Really, oh, you mean, you mean the, you mean the penalty that you mean the, the penalty that was never called before or after? Literally, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I will never forget. Yeah, no, that. don't I, worry. <laughs> we haven't forgotten. But he's just he does good things for us now. You've, you've exactly. just brought back exactly. some very, very specific <laughs> memories of me from that day. So, all right, let's get, let's get away from the Patriots offense, because I think, I think we've, we've done a pretty good job of getting in depth on them. And I think the thing that everyone I would think would be most concerned about going into this week is how the defense is going to somehow stop this Ravens offense. Lamar Jackson is playing outside of his mind right now. And, you know, Baltimore's defense hasn't been good. Through, I mean, certainly wasn't good in the second half on Sunday, but hasn't been great. Their offense has been great, uh, and that's without a running game. And they might be getting J.K. It looks like they're going to be getting J.K. Dobbins back this week, so their running game might be a little bit better. How do the Patriots go about slowing this Ravens team down to keep the points down for the for, to give them a chance to win this game? I think it's going to sound weird to some people saying that you want the Ravens to run like as much as possible. But then when you propose the alternative of the fact that Rashad Bateman has two 50-plus yard touchdowns yeah. and the fact that Mark Andrews is the best crossing route runner in the entire league, you think, okay, maybe play a little more too high on early downs, you know, like maybe prioritize coverage. Now, in the run game, the only person who scares you is Lamar Jackson. They have not had – J.K. Dobbins obviously being hurt is a huge blow. But right now, their backfield is not impressive. I would love for their running backs to get 30 carries. I think that's how you win yeah. the game. You just beg them to uh, run the ball. Are we just Lamar, taking the Bill Belichick game plan from the Super Bowl when he was with the Giants? <laughs> too high. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like I, Lamar's got the arm. And again, I was watching him. He is he, – the criticism around him is absolutely absurd. I remember <laughs> there was a play that he had against the Dolphins. They were playing cover three. And Andrews was running a seam. Javon Holland's right in the middle of the field. We all know Javon Holland is not a guy you want to mess with. Lamar hand up, fakes the ball. He looks left for just like a split second to hold Javon Holland. And then without hesitation, goes right and throws a dime right between two defenders to Mark Andrews for what should have been like a 25-ish yard touchdown, I think. And they ruled it down like a couple yards short. But it was one of those plays where it's very clear that if you think Lamar Jackson's not a good quarterback, it's on you. Is he inconsistent? Sure. Most of the guys are inconsistent. He does things that no one else can do. And then every, I, I feel like his athleticism and the fact he can run is used against him, but it's he's his own checkdown option. 
They literally have the running backs block instead of go a lot of times for checkdowns because you'd rather have Lamar Jackson in the open field than you would uh, who's 17 in the backfield. I forgot who it was. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon, Kenyon Drake. Drake. Kenyon yep. Drake. There you go. Yeah. 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 I don't, you know, Lamar Jackson. The fact that you don't though. know the name there, I think says a lot about that was so bad. I, I feel bad though. That's on me. I'm sorry. He was cut Kenyon, by the Raiders. Like, today. come on. It's like, yeah, let's be serious. True. It's okay. And but, he's wearing um, number 17. We know the Patriots number 17 jersey curse. I just kind of assume that hopefully Foxborough will them. just that if bad running. Luck, that I mean, he's year. a running back wearing 17. That should be illegal. I am another <laughs> running back in 17 last year, too. I don't know what it is with Ravens so running dumb. backs wearing 17. It's so bizarre. Yeah, the so. Patriots um, just signed somebody to the press receiver, though. Game. So Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Who was that? The Pats just signed, uh, was it Viz Cayino back to the practice squad, and he's yeah. wearing 17 as a kicker. That's what? that's the stat of that. No, that's the state. At least he's not on the field. We don't have to worry about it right now. That's that's <laughs> yeah. a good point. That's a great yeah. point. But yet you were talking about um, Lamar as a passer. Um, Nate yes, Tice yes. for the Athletic was talking about this in his article. I think this was either maybe yesterday or today. Just looking at week two, but Lamar's like career high numbers for passes from inside the pocket, under center dropbacks, mm-hmm. EPA per dropback. Scramble percentage is lower. His designed rush percentage is lower. Yeah. He's doing all this. I mean, he is basically a lot a- more under center stuff as well. I noticed like, cause they yeah. used to be just like gun pistol. Like it's Lamar, but now I, a lot of their play action stuff is the boots and all that stuff that you they- tend to see, which is new. In some ways, it's almost like an early 2000s Patriots offense where it's going to be under center, lots of tight ends, except instead of throwing to the back and the flat, it's just Lamar taking off. Obviously, it's not exactly the same, but it's more like that than I think you would expect. And it's it's different from the team we saw come into Foxborough in 2020. Yeah, and the unique thing about Lamar, too, is that I noticed he will target the deepest non-clear-out concept if it's there every time. And there were a few where I was like, oh, that's a tight window. Like, I'm used to Matt, so I know he'll probably take the safer throw. You know, he knows his strengths and weaknesses. Lamar will take those, like, 20-yard – there was, like, a post-wheel combo where there was a very small window on the sideline. Lamar put it exactly where he needed to. So that's what scares me is that – and especially the past two weeks because Tua and Mitch Trubisky – not hitting those not, they were plenty of opportunities for them to really gouge the defense, honestly, especially against man. They had some miscommunications. And then the linebackers have been having a little bit of trouble covering routes over the middle off play action. Um, what you'll see a lot from like Juwan Bentley is he'll robot when he uh, realizes it's play action, which means instead of just dropping back, he'll turn around and try to find the first crossing route he sees. And mm-hmm. that's how you usually deter those throws. Raekwon McMillan – Struggled a couple times doing that, and I noticed that there were some big plays at the past two games uh, quarterbacks had missed. Lamar's not going to miss those. Mac so, Wilson struggled with that too week one. There were, yes, I think, back-to-back yes. plays where he was kind of – he got caught looking in the wrong direction when he mm-hmm. got his head back around, and that was all, all the space that they needed to hit that throw over the middle. Exactly. So um, Lamar as a runner doesn't even scare me really as much because if you really want to stop him, you're going to put Mac Wilson on the field. You get, even if Kyle Duggar's out, at least you got peppers. You got uh, Adrian Phillips, you know, they kind of, what they did last time they played was they used a three, three stack. So it's three down linemen and three linebackers behind them. They use two safeties on the outside of that structure, basically to deter Lamar from keeping it because you got speed on the outside. Yeah. And anytime the Ravens would put a tight end on the line of scrimmage, they would have the outside linebacker to that side instead of being right behind the defensive line. He would rotate down so that he could engage him and set the edge, knowing that Lamar is probably going to try to hit backside 
So you keep that linebacker, give him depth to help him chase or do whatever he's got to do. So I think they have the athletes, especially John Jones. He can spy. He has done a fantastic job the past few times they played Lamar um, when he was asked to shout, when he was asked to watch him while everybody had their backs turned in man coverage. I'm not really worried about Lamar the athlete. I'm worried about Lamar the passer because he there has been opportunities in the secondary, specifically Jalen Mills. Um, he got turned around a few times by the Steelers, great receivers who are also very good route runners, but not the kind of thing you want to see from the guy who's supposed to be your top corner. Yeah. Miles Bryant. I think he's solid, but man, if you put an athlete against him, I don't like the matchup and I don't, I mean, I know why they, it hasn't been exploited because they played Mitch Trubisky and Tua Tagovailoa, who I think are probably great people, but they're not very good quarterbacks. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very worried, honestly, about Lamar just taking the top off the defense. Although I think that will be that priority. And I think they understand how important that is, especially this week, because it's Lamar and not those other guys. Um, so, you know, if I'm giving it the, you know, Patriots fan, Bill Belichick is going to get the defense ready. Then it gives me some comfort, but, (laughs) 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 but, um, but yeah, I mean, Lamar is very capable of making this defense look bad if they're not on their P's and Q's. So, you know, you you say all that, right? And, and you know, it is strange, right, that Lamar isn't treated as the pocket passer and, and the passer that he is. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the skin color at all. But, uh, you know, <laughs> um, I do I do that think, never happens in the NFL, right, that, the shirt Taylor's wearing? you know, and you mentioned, <laughs> right, you mentioned, like, putting athletes on the field, right, and guys that can run, Right and are athletic, mm-hmm. right? And, and now this 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 week now who Devin Duvernay is popped up on the injured list. You know who knows if he'll be healthy for the game or not. But him and Bateman are guys that have ridiculous amounts of speed, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. Bateman's caught you know two passes for over fifty yards for touchdowns. You would think one would assume you would want to have athletes on the field. Now, mm-hmm. hypothetically, let's just say the Patriots drafted a guy. Just hypothetically, with insane athletic ability, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> super fast, super athletic, plays corner, looked really good in the early parts of the of the of the preseason, and then got buried in the depth chart for no discernible reason. Do you think maybe they might break Marcus Jones out this week and actually play him? That, I'm not that might lie, make sense, wouldn't it? Until you mentioned the depth chart, it also sounded like Jack Jones, who has been playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think a lot, I'm really not sure how exactly it's being divvied up because obviously in training camp, Marcus Jones was the guy who was getting rotations with the ones, not as much Jack Jones. And now we're seeing Jack Jones subbing in for Jalen Mills. Uh, sometimes he had a snap against uh, Tyree kill in the season opener where they trusted him in man coverage. Mm-hmm. He got mossed on a great play by Tyree kill, but you at least like to see that he was uh, competitive on the play. Welcome but, to the um, NFL. Right. Um, I think the whole situation with Marcus Jones is if Miles Bryant gets toasted in a game where they're just it's like the Bills game where if you get a fast guy and it's a smart offensive coordinator who's just going to spam a mismatch until you show that you're not going to let them do it. I think that's when you're going to see Marcus Jones. He's gotten I think he got a few reps against the Dolphins. I don't think he had any last week. He was Um, he was uh, healthy scratch. Healthy scratch last week. There you go. There you go. Um, But I don't. To actually do a deep dive. I haven't done a special teams deep dive other than to Marcus Mitchell 
who's a beast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm not totally sure how much Jack Jones is doing on special teams, but uh, I mean, clearly he's doing something in practice. And also I made the prediction after they got drafted and I watched them, I was like, Jack Jones is probably going to be the guy who starts before anybody else. Obviously Tyquan Thornton was fantastic. And I was very happy for him to prove me wrong as someone who looked more like a starter. Um, but I mean, I think Jack Jones is plenty good. And I think that he has deserved his reps. But Marcus Jones thing, I think it's just because they trust Miles Bryant. It's it was kind of weird, and I didn't exactly realize it. But he's been on the team since 2020. When like when I saw him against the Ravens, I was like, oh yeah, he's actually been on the team for a minute. Right. So I think a lot of it is continuity, and like you no, know, he's not very athletic. And he'll miss a couple tackles, which I don't like because that should be like his thing. Right. But he is strong. He's smart. Um, he has some ball skills when he's in the area. Um, so I think it's just right now you go with the guy who you can rely on to at least not make crucial mistakes. It drives um, me insane. That that and I know that's a Belichick thing. It just drives me crazy. The the uh the punt return thing. Yeah. I mean almost cost him last week. Yeah. I was just inexcusable to to yeah. catch it running backwards at the five yard line is crazy. He's lucky it wasn't a safety, to be honest with you, because although he didn't possess the ball, he did touch the ball. Yeah, that was outside. Fugazi. That was Fugazi. you know what I mean. That should have been. That should have been right. a lot worse than it was. Right. Yeah. I did not understand what the ruling was for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm well, and it's. I was a little bit surprised. I obviously, no Marcus Jones active. I was surprised we didn't see Jabril Peppers go back there after yeah. that one. And a guy who has experience with returning punts and he, he did everything at Michigan. Uh, and also, you you mentioned Jack Jones. He has zero special teams snaps so far this year, okay. according to mm-hmm. Pro Football Reference. Which that speaks to what he must be doing in practice, like. Mm-hmm. Again, it's frustrating, but we also don't see maybe Marcus Jones has given up a ton of big plays in practice, and it's just like okay, we can't play him against yeah, which you know, is good receivers. which is possible. It just seemed it was just weird because he was he was out there, mm-hmm. he was the starter. He was so much the starter that he didn't play in the first preseason game when all the starters sat. He sat he sat with all of the starters, and then we come back the next week, and Miles Bryant had passed him, and it was like, what the hell is going on here? It just it, it's just bizarre. And so we'll see like what happens behind the scenes things where we'll and find again, out after it plays out. I do think for me, it's, it's frustrating for me because it's the Belichick thing where, like you said, instead of going with the flashy guy who has elite athleticism and makes plays that no one else can make, I'll go with the slower, less flashy, more reliable guy who, yeah, he doesn't have the ability to make some of the plays that this guy can make, but he's not going to give up as many plays as the other guy might give up. If he's put in that situation, worked out for Jawan Bentley. It did. It did. No one, no one talks crap about Jawan Bentley anymore. It's like, yeah, I mean, every once in a while you'll see him in space, but he makes tackles in space. He takes good angles. It's if you do what you're supposed to do and you do what you're coached, you execute the way you're coached, you can survive as long as you're smart and you have. Miles Bryant is in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like he's not getting toasted every week. Even against Isaiah McKenzie, he was competitive. Like you weren't seeing him like get a catch uh, or a reception on him. And then the guy's taking it to the house. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he's doing what he can for his skill set, And maybe Marcus Jones just isn't, do- that's the difference. You know, he can do it, but he's not doing it. You can have all the athleticism in the world, but as we know, football is not just for athletes. It's for football players. Yeah. So if you're yeah. not, you know, reading routes, well, if you're not communicating the right way, if you're not doing your job, you're not going to play and we can't see what's happening. And I, so, you know, like I said, I assume it's something behind the scenes where we'll find yeah. out. Of know, course. Yeah. Later and, down the road. and it's also, I mean, corner is one of the hardest positions to transition. Slot corner too. Slot corner. That's very difficult. So, I mean, like we, we like we were saying with Devonte Parker, 
Like, let's give it to the end of the season here, I right. think, uh, and yeah. see what Marcus Jones can do later. And obviously, the, I think the other aspect of this is they got a lot of slot corners on this team, and they only got two or three outside guys. Yeah. So, and they like to play their safeties. So, mm-hmm. Marcus Jones is just in a much tougher position to get reps than Jack Jones, um, which I did also kind of want to follow up and ask you about Jonathan Jones on the outside this year. Do you think that is going to be, uh, How's that going to play into this game? How have you liked what you've seen? What are your thoughts on that? Marcus Jones is just easily their best cornerback. I have, I'm not worried about him at all. I agree. Yeah, Marcus Jones is the yeah, best cornerback. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. John Jones. John Jones. Jeez, there's freaking all, three of them. That's so ridiculous. I was, I was going through the snap count the other day, and I they're both Jay Jones on yeah. the thing. I was like, I, I thought we might end up with uh, one of those like XFL situations where you're going to have full names on the back of the jerseys this year. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. So John Jones, uh, he is like easily their best corner. No, he's not big, but he is excellent when he's out of phase. He's got maybe the best ball skills in terms of consistency. Like Jack Jones, we know he has them, but we haven't seen him do it at the pro level. Um, and Jones and John Jones is very smart. He's not the guy that you're like, oh, you know, he might give up a big play this week. Like if he does, it's probably because the guy earned it. Um, so I think he's been good outside. There may be games where the matchup isn't really great for him because it's a really big receiver, but I don't think they're going to make any adjustments to that unless he's just like getting moss. Like if he gets moss like three times, it's like, okay, Whoa. we got to tap out. But I, I think he's been good outside. I really like what I've seen from him. So, and far. it's not going to happen much more than it would have happened against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's got massive wide receivers, right? right. And maybe, maybe if you play Minnesota, who they're going to play this year. Maybe if it's Minnesota, you're not going to put him one-on-one against Justin Jefferson, but like, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson's going to do it to anyone. doesn't really matter who it is, you know? So, like, yeah, I agree with you. I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) Do we want to talk about the uh, how the front seven's going to match up here? Because I thought the front seven for New England did a a very good job these first couple weeks. I'm impressed with the defensive tackle room in particular, but also two not-so-great offensive line rooms. But also, (laughs) this Baltimore offensive line has not been great. Right. Um, yeah, I think this line is gonna it's gonna be the difference maker. The times that Lamar, and again, the last time they played Lamar, it was a little off because there was a torrential downpour. They were down in the second half when they again when the rain started, so it completely yeah. changed the outlook of everything. So you got to take a center that, that couldn't assault. snap the ball, right? Well, that that didn't help either. Yeah. But um, the biggest thing was all their good plays were when they moved Lamar off the spot. Whether it was a blitz, whether it was just getting inside the pocket and forcing him to go off his first read. Like, that's what you want to do with any great quarterback. Just take away their first option, and then it's, all right, let's try to make a play now that, you know, we've made it at least harder on this rep. I think Judon is a great guy to have because he knows Lamar Jackson. He was there when he got in the league. One of the biggest things with Lamar is that if you haven't played him before, you can't really predict what it's going to be like playing him. You know, like I think uh, it's like with Russell Wilson in the Super Bowl, where I remember uh, when the Pats were preparing, they had one of their like defensive backs or something just do the scramble stuff because it was the only person they had who had anywhere near his athleticism. Um, so you got one edge defender who knows exactly what he needs to do against Lamar. Josh Uche did a really good job against him when they played in 2020. Barmore, if you get Barmore, I think we're going to see a lot of 5-0 fronts where you got five defensive linemen on the line of scrimmage. So basically the offensive line is going to check. So it's man to man. If you can do that with Barmore, Barmore against uh, Tyler Linderbaum, who is very smart, very athletic, but very tiny. He is going to put the pocket in Lamar Jackson's lap. And that's the kind of thing you want to see. 
Dietrich Wise played a lot of defensive tackle in their four down looks the last time these guys played. He was pretty disruptive. Don't want him on the outside because he can't contain Lamar Jackson. Right. But I think that's where you get your guys. Like Anthony Jennings, I think, could at least do a solid job. If not, Puduche out there. You know, he's got the speed. He's got the athleticism to handle that kind of thing. Um, obviously, Devon Gotchow has been very good. He's one of the more one explosive the, interior uh, guys. One of the uh, best defensive linemen in the league, if you ask Bill. Yeah, true. Honestly, I thought that was a crazy statement to make. But when I watch, if he's one-on-one, he doesn't lose very often. Yeah, like the he, doubles he's not great against, but he does not lose the guys one on one a lot. And yeah, he demands so many doubles too. I mean, if you watch that Pittsburgh game, there was a lot of all right, God draws doubled and he's not really going anywhere, but now everybody else has a one on one and somebody's gonna win it. Exactly. Right. And then you got guy who if he's doubled, he's at least usually gonna make a mess. And if he's one on one, he's probably gonna push somebody back and affect the play. So I think the front seven is easy not even the front seven, I think the defensive line is easily the strength of their team. Um, obviously, the safeties, I think it's 1A, 1B. But if it's a 1A, I would go with the defensive line. I'm confident in their ability to at least um, prevent Lamar Jackson from making the plays that you're just like, that could have been prevented. Like, yes, it's Lamar, but you got to do better. I think that they'll right. do a solid job in that regard. I'm looking forward to that matchup. Yeah, I will. I will say going back through the film and maybe I could be wrong in this. I did think in the front seven, uh, Uche in the past has had an issue with kind of over committing to certain things and i think we saw that with mac wilson and raekwon mcmillan at certain mm. points both have more speed than the guys they've had there in the past so they can recover when they overcommit on stuff but in the front seven i, I think that's my biggest concern is if lamar is going to break off one of these long runs it's going to because all of the linebackers over pursue a little bit and he might have a cutback lane so i think you're going to have to watch that backside on every one of his runs oh yeah yeah and again, like Mac Wilson's thing is he knows he's not very strong and he's more yes. of an like athletic guy. So you see, him, and, and because he is that way, he also knows he can recover. Like I, there were a couple of times last week where he did overshoot the gap, but then popped right back where he was supposed to be. Yeah. So it's a little bit of that give and take where it's all right, you know, your skill set, do what you got to do. But if it doesn't work, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, margin for error is smaller with him, especially <laughs> exactly. against someone like Lamar who has that speed. Right. But uh, one good thing is Mac Wilson was on the Browns. He's not, you know, he's familiar with Lamar Jackson. So mm-hmm. that's a huge plus. Raekwon McMillan, I think, is one of those guys where he just needs to, like, put it on tape. And it's not like he's new to the league, but he didn't really play much defense. Uh, he's more of a special teams guy before yeah. he got to the Pats. And then he was hurt, obviously, and all that stuff. Um, but he's a smart player. I think, like, I, I believe on one of the plays uh, in the first week where he kind of let somebody get open behind him. The next week, he did a great job getting underneath it. Was that? I think that was McMillan. Um, sorry, I think you're it's right. I think no, no, I think I think you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's it's again, it's, it's <clears throat> part of the reason they say it's extended preseason. Put it on tape, then our coaches can tell you what to do. It's you know, exactly. it's one thing when you've heard it from somebody else, but when you have Bill Belichick and Steve Belichick and all the really, these really smart guys who know their system and what they want to get done inside of it, then you can say, okay, you know, never backpedal off play action again like right. never you turn your back and you look for that crosser and there's some teams that don't do that it's insane but some teams don't <laughs> do things like that so you know yeah. learn make the corrections i think uh mcmillan's done a good job of that wilson i think because he started and didn't even know he was going to last week there may be more of a learning curve but they're athletic guys they're smart they're tough i'm i'm not really worried about them maybe they'll give up a player or two you know this week but I think if Belichick thinks it's really that much of a concern, they're not going to be on the field anyway. I agree. I agree. Yeah. No. What What are you expecting? 
what you know we've we've gone through this whole thing do you expect you know now it's first game in the new stadium not the new stadium but the 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 um, end zone. renovated stadium the yeah. under construction <laughs> under construction stadium right not done until next year of course um but you know what do you expect's going to happen out there on sunday afternoon i think we just have to prepare for lamar to make it frustrating i don't think i think it's going to be competitive um, because I think there are matchups on both sides where one unit really can make a difference. Um, and it's going to prevent anybody from kind of going crazy. I'm not super confident in their ability to run on the Ravens front the way they did against the Steelers. Even though the Steelers are good, yeah. because they didn't have TJ Watt, they had to move Cameron Hayward outside. Right. And that kind of affected what was going on with their interior. They're very deep. But, I mean, still, a third-string defensive tackle is a third-string defensive tackle for a reason. You know, they can be talented, but you've got a very good Patriots offensive line. You can capitalize on those things. Um, This Ravens line is freaking stacked. Uh, There are a lot of really strong big dudes on that line. So I'm not quite as confident on their ability to run consistently. And then, honestly, the Ravens' uh, secondary scares me. Like they've Marcus Williams has been fantastic back there at safety. Their rookie corners are making plays. They had some great drives on the ball where they disrupted some plays and uh, jarred the ball loose. And they're looking really smart. It's it, they're just such a well coached unit. You can see, like even Kyle Williams. I remember there was one play. I think they were like they were communicating with Palms, and he just looks like he's been in the system for years. Like you would not know that they had three rookies taking a good amount of snaps. Um, maybe except, the except for a couple one. of those plays late in the game, <laughs> right? Of course, of course, and that's one of those things where Belichick acknowledged like there's a learning curve, and you know, there's that was a not something you're going to see very often from the Ravens because I'll be again now it's on tape for them, they know what they did wrong, and they're smart and they know these players. Like when they draft them, these are very smart players, so mm-hmm. I don't expect to see the lapses in coverage that we saw last week or you know, the, just insane performance you saw from Tua. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely nervous. I don't want them to have to pass a ton. And I I don't even, I don't even feel comfortable making a prediction because we don't know what the offense is going to look like in week three, but we do know that the Ravens have a very good defense. Um, I think our, I think the Patriots defense will keep it competitive and that'll be the main reason they're in the game. Is anybody surprised? That's kind of how it always goes. Yeah. Um, But I do think it'll be, if it's a two score game, I don't think it's going to be more than a field goal. Yeah. Like field goal. Yeah. I guess. Okay. You. All right. Uh, if if there's if there's one player for the Patriots that's the X factor here, who do you think it's going to be? I'd say Nelson Aguilar. It's either him or Bourne. You know, if okay, if Jacoby Myers is hurt, it's Bourne. I think because Aguilar, yeah. I think, is going to slide into that role and he's going to get opportunities and capitalize on them. Then it's okay, Bourne. Can you give Mac another option? If Myers is good to go, then it's like, all right, Nelly, you got to have a real good game, my guy. Like, at least mm-hmm. give them the two guys they have to think about. That'll make life easier on everybody else. See, I, I would have gone the defensive in there. I would have said Devin McCourty just for having that speed at the back end and being mm-hmm. able to keep plays in front, make sure you don't have coverage busts. It's hard enough to cover Lamar Jackson in that passing game. What they're doing this year, you got to make sure everybody's on the same page, close down on windows. I'd love to see an interception this week. If you can get your hands on one of those, I think if somebody gets it, it's probably going to be Devin. Who, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, there was a great athletic article today where they sat down with Devin McCourty and asked if he could remember every quarterback that he has ever intercepted. They walked through all of them. Uh, There was a quote in there where he was talking about the, uh, the game where they played against Luke Falk. Um, when he was that Jets oh, quarterback, yeah. that I was say we played for the Jets. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> when when McCourty picked off Falk, 
and um the quote he had on it was something like oh yeah they had a third or fourth stringer go in that game we knew they had no chance uh that was that killed me that was like that was like a precursor to the zach wilson game where he just threw all those just horrendous interceptions yeah i feel like the last time you saw that kind of game from the jets i think it was a luke falk game where he threw i think he just like lofted it and it was just a really easy pick for every time i I think both of those were the i think the falk game came first because that i think happened when zach wilson missed time with mono I'm oh pretty God, sure right. that's how that no, went. No, Sam down. Darnold. You mean Sam Darnold? Oh my They've had goodness. so many bad quarterbacks that yeah, yeah, dude, it's just all <laughs> blend together. But yeah, I have, yeah, my brain can't handle that. Not right now. Like I can't. I, I, that timeline is not going to be on my side. I, uh, yeah. If I can throw in a defensive guy, if I can cheat a little bit, I would say Jalen Mills because McCourty is going to be McCourty. If Jalen Mills gets turned around too badly when they play cover one, because this, like, yes, the Patriots playing more cover two, but they do it situationally. Like they're playing cover two to defend play action passes and in long yardage situations, it's not their base. They're still a one high team, which means one on one matchups outside. If Jalen Mills gives up a play underneath or whatever to Rashad Bateman and makes a false step or whatever, Bateman could take it to the house. Yeah. So that's if you know offense. Obviously, you need another receiver. But if I had to do one overall, now I think about it, it probably would be Jalen. Can't be giving up sixty-yard touchdown passes to to the Ravens. And he can do it both ways. One of them was um on a quick throw that he just ran into the house. The other one he got behind the defense. Like he can he can do both. So he's good. And I think special teams are going to be key too. I mean, we saw the Ravens get a kickoff return in that last game which was huge. We saw the Patriots get a little bit lucky on special teams last week in a number of different ways in the punt return game. Uh, Maybe have, like, a, have an explosive have an explosive return. Back from a, from a young punt. corner. Just, yeah. you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, was, I thought I, Cody Davis nearly blocked a kick week one, and I think it was Raekwon McMillan nearly blocked a punt when they brought a rush. So mm-hmm. I wonder. Two for one. They also, one. One thing, I, I'm not sure if it's an X factor because we don't know what the situation is going to be, but if Kyle Duggar can't play, that's bad. Dude. That's going to be really Because bad. he is the one who matched up with Andrews last year. And you see him every week. Like, he gets targeted on a couple crossing routes, which are very hard to defend because they play with outside leverage. So Duggar is in chase mode. He did a pretty good job against Andrews last time. If that happens again, they don't have anybody who can cover him. Adrian mm-hmm. Phillips will be competitive, but he's too small. Jabril Peppers will be a little less competitive, but he's also way too small. So if they don't have Duggar, it's going to be tough in man coverage. I can and, see, and I I see brackets on Andrews. I, yeah. They don't do that often, but if Duggar can't go, I can see it. And I think that also, I think there's just an interesting situation here where if the Pats are selling out to say, we're not going to let Lamar scramble on us and, and we're going to make sure Mark Andrews is covered, all of a sudden these safety body types start getting used up and maybe Will Likely is the guy where it's, all right, Pats take away the top options. Ravens are going to have to win with their depth guy. We're going to find out what's this guy made of and having that extra tight end, especially if Duggar can't go. Then if Mark Andrews is seeing brackets and McCourty's playing over the top, you might get some favorable matchups with an extra tight end. Definitely. I mean, if it's, if it's an Isaiah likely game, so be it. I don't care. That's, I mean, that's been the Bill Belichick thing for years. It's exactly. Can you beat us with your fourth or fifth guy? Right. If you get beat by Andrews, and or Bateman, then your defensive line did not work, and you should, you know, you mm. it's not going to be fun on Monday. Yeah. Uh, but again, if it's, it's Duver, I think Duver, as long as is healthy, I forget what his status is. But, He's okay, but like, uh, yeah, but if, if, if any of their depth guys are the ones that are like moving the chains or scoring touchdowns, all right, like Willie Sneed scored a touchdown last uh, time they played, like, okay, big whoop, right? You know, exactly. <laughs> you tip your cap and you go on to the next drive, exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. I agree. I agree. Um, 
All right, we're going to get into our final segment, our little fun segment away from away from football. But before we do, I have some breaking news. I'm going to break some news here on the uh, on the podcast. It's not good news. Uh, it doesn't actually have anything to do with the Patriots. But uh, breaking news from Woj: Boston Celtics coach Ime Udoka is facing possible disciplinary action, including a significant suspension for an unspecified violation of organizational guidelines. Discussions are ongoing with the Celtics on a final determination. That's really weird. Yikes. Super vague. What you no idea what it means. <laughs> but speaking yeah. sounds bad. Speaking of unspecified violations, one guy we didn't talk about was uh Equale, defensive tackle who's back from suspension this week. Oh, yeah. Suspended for the first two weeks, and we still have no idea what he was suspended for. Uh, there's been no information on what it was. It Did they say whether down. it was like an internal or a league thing? It was a league thing. It uh, was, yeah. Two game suspension. We still don't know. We have no idea what it was. He's back on the roster. Right. Uh, he was in their pass rushing group in the preseason. It was yeah. him. And he looks Chidon, better as a run Uche, defender too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's been kind of. He was kind of an asset for them at the end of last season. He came on oh, yeah. stronger than I expected. So uh, this this game probably won't wouldn't I, I I would have a hard time seeing them playing him over Dietrich Wise in a lot of those looks. But yeah, honestly. Uh, I, uh, I don't know, just because Wise, like his length makes up for the fact that he's slow because he's a big dude. Like I I don't really like even talking about that because like the guy's almost 300 pounds. Like he's not going to move super well. But right. quality, just because he's a little smaller, I think he may be a little more competitive in those situations where it's like, all right, you're in the backfield. Can you actually bring Lamar down? But again, Wise's uh, length makes up for that. So it'll be interesting to see. But in those like four down looks, you know, I could see him rotating in for Barmore or uh, Wise, you know, just keep those guys fresh or whatever. You know, however yeah. they want to scheme those matchups. Yeah. And, and we'll see who they decide to have active on game day, too. You can only have so many players out there. True. So maybe. Mm-hmm. Very true. Maybe yeah, might not be active just because he's not. He hasn't been practicing the last few weeks. weeks. He's yeah. been suspended, right? Exactly. So, yeah. And they, that pass um, rushing group has worked so far. I don't know if there's a reason yeah. to touch it at this point. Exactly. Sure. I would agree. So, all right. So that's that's what we got for Patriots discussion. Listen, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm just hoping for a competitive game. And, like, mm-hmm. the Ravens are a very good team. And I know, I know they blew it last week against the against the Dolphins. I get it, right? It was embarrassing. It was terrible, but they also like blew doors on the on the Dolphins in the first half. That's what they're capable of doing. And so, like I, you know, it, if you're a Patriots fan, you should be a little bit nervous. You should be a little bit nervous, but it's also a nice test to see if what Belichick has started to do is working. You're mm-hmm. trying to. You're looking at it, saying we're trying to get better. We're trying to get faster. We're trying to get more athletic. We're trying to play with these fast teams. Baltimore is one of those fast teams that you're trying to play with. If you can keep up with their speed, I think it's a good sign moving forward. As you said, extension of the preseason. We get it. We're three weeks in. Mm-hmm. We're not. It's not the. Fu- it's not the finished product. But if we start to see some improvement and we start to see them be able to play with those teams, now we can look at it and say, okay, we're feeling better about where we're headed. Agreed. Agreed. So, so all right. So let's go into our final, uh, into our final uh, little segment here, and uh, we got a little, we got a little sounder for it as well. So, uh, so here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like: this week in sports history. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. So, 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 Matt, uh, Matt, why don't you start off with yours? Do you have one? Yeah, I got a Patriots one here. All right. Patriots we're, one. Let's hear it. We're talking about Patriots week three and early season struggles. 
Well, we are recording this on the 21st of September. Shout out to uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, oh, yes. First song yeah. I was here this morning. Yep. Oh, <laughs> there yes. you go. But this is the anniversary of the Patriots' 16-9 win over the then-Oakland Raiders in 2014, the game before the infamous Kansas City blowout. I remember that one. That was one of the more unsatisfying wins. That was one of those where you go, oh, that was a football game. And yep. Then you go do something else. <laughs> yeah. That was an ugly game. That's a good one. I think Gronk had the lone touchdown for the offense that day, if I'm remembering that one correctly. Sounds right. Sounds a right. Cla- a cloudy September afternoon in Foxborough. Yeah, it was a nasty game. I was at that one. It was terrible. <laughs> they won though, so I mean, it wasn't that bad. But it, it wasn't great. The next week, I was I was eating buffalo wings in Providence with friends and watching that <laughs> game on Monday Night Football. Like this is the worst thing of all time. <laughs> it was terrible. And- and then Trent Dilfer said that it was all over. And that's right. Brady the, retired. They're not good uh, anymore. Patriots never won another Super Bowl. And it's been a long eight years since. Then. Oh, good point about Derek the Raiders Cole game. game. Right? That was his first season? Yeah. That would have been Jimmy G. Derek yeah. First Jimmy G's yeah. first season. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Jimmy G's wow. first. Derek Carr's first. Yep. Will Fork got a pick on that day. By the way, fun fact Vince Will Fork and Jamal Adams, same amount of career interceptions. <laughs> I'm not that surprised, honestly. There's <laughs> two freak athletes who were better going that's down. Right. See, that's it. See, exactly. So all right, Taylor, you got you got one. Next, yes. So this is actually my two home cities. So lock in. Um, New York Highlanders first baseman Hal Chase has 22 putouts to the MLB record in a six to three win over Chicago White Sox at Southside Park. I was born in Chicago and New York is where I spend most of my life. So love it. It's personal. Say a great stat that you pulled out there, Tay. Hey, man, put I, out, I, found I just it all by himself. You know I mean? spent hours looking for this stuff. I didn't <laughs> so, get it from Pat in a test. No, right before totally not. That didn't happen. Nope. No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> so, yes, that's the way it goes. Listen, it's a completely ridiculous thing that I'm asking our guests to do. And the first two guests have completely dropped the ball and not done anything <laughs> about it. And I don't blame them at all. And so I come prepared with extras just in case. You know what I mean? I like that. I like that you chose my uh, my, my spot. See? I really there appreciate that. See? I'm glad we did this. So I also have one from September 21st. This is from 1934. St. Louis Cardinals played the Brooklyn Dodgers in a doubleheader. Dizzy Dean and Paul Dean were brothers. They both pitched for the St. Louis Cardinals, and they both. Uh, they both had shutouts no with Paul Dean throwing a no hitter on the on the nightcap. That's so it was pretty very, yeah, very cool. pretty crazy. Brothers with shutouts on the same day, one of them being a no hitter. So awesome. pretty cool. Nineteen thirty four. How often do you have that happen? I mean, like I don't even know how when would that ever even happen. Like you, the fact that they're in the same rotation, pitching on the same day, and you have a double header. I guess back in the thirties, you had double headers more often than you do now, but still. So yeah, if you want me to give a uh, a little fun fact here for you, uh, I love at, we love fun out, facts around here. It's I'm great. basically I'm basically just going to rehash the same one I did last week because the schedule has put all these AFC North teams at the front. This is the earliest in the season the Patriots have ever played a game against the Ravens at home. Yeah. And the second earliest oh, yeah. game they have ever played against the Ravens. You can remember. The, the earliest game that they've ever played against the Ravens. It was in Baltimore. 
a Sunday I night exactly game. What, I know exactly what it is. I, know, I hated. I hated that game. I hated yeah. this game. Do you oh. remember this? Do you remember what game I'm talking the about? The Tory Pat? Smith game, which yep. The only reason I don't think about it in worse in like a worse regard is because he went through something horrible, and I was honestly yeah. like, dude, hats off, like good for you. I was very happy for him, but for, as a Pats fan, I was like, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Well, I just that was the game where the kick went right over the upright, and Bell mm-hmm. Bill was trying to grab a Bell ref was, as they're yeah, going chasing off the, field. the ref, oh. and that's that game would have been the game everybody was talking about with the replacement refs that year if not for the fact yeah. that monday night football was that right. was, that was the sunday night game monday night football was the fail mary but that was september yeah. 23rd oh in 2012 20 yeah, unbelievable 2012 yep that's unbelievable yeah so oh, i, I mean just you know, yeah brutal that's one of the worst ones i've ever seen because the yeah i can't even i can't even i just like yeah that's i love that today crazy. we brought that up and we like two just obscure awful pass games it was the ravens game and then we were talking about the nick folk game where that's what you get got the penalty that as you said pat has never been called before and wasn't called since yeah because they they scrubbed they scrubbed the rule from the record book after that game they were like hey you know what that rule is terrible there's a reason we never called it before didn't logan (laughs) ryan have a pick six in that game pretty sure yes that was when he did the marshall lynch thing yes that's right that's exactly oh my lord dude (laughs) Uh, I, I, oh my God, I was in high school at the time, and I had to do some event at the school that Sunday, so I didn't get home until partway through the game. I remember being on Twitter, like watching that clip as I was trying to uh, do whatever event I had signed up for. Unbelievable. <laughs> Boy. Unbelievable. Uh, Woj, by the way, on ESPN with Scott Van Pelt, said this is a Celtics matter, not a league issue. It's an internal Boston look at Udoka and this violation of team guidelines. And supposedly the the uh, suspension's coming within twenty four to forty eight hours. So we know what it is, or we'll no, just know how bad no it is report on it. what it is. But we're just gonna know what the suspension is, and then maybe something will come out. But it's not a league thing; it's the Celtics thing. Somebody tweeted yeah. out that that um, <laughs> Nia Long walking to practice, and Brad was like, "Damn!" And Udoka was like, "Lost it." Of course, that's not true, but that's yeah. yeah. Tay, so. you were saying before this that like the Celtics are your your fun team. Then here you are on a Celtics podcast. Whoever yeah, saw that coming? Yeah, yeah, that's a weird coincidence. I think I chased them honestly. This, you may have. this is you my may have. fault. It's your fault. Okay. Yep. Do, oh whatever you do, do not say anything about any other Boston sports teams. <laughs> What's that other B one? The bur- except the except the Red Sox. Say whatever you want about the Red Sox because they can't possibly get worse than they are. So like maybe if you say stuff about them, then. The good things will happen as opposed to bad things. Hey, I think the Red Sox have a shot this year. See, look at that. See, you never know. <laughs> if you know they get I mean? a championship, I need compensation. Maybe they'll. Well, I don't think they make the playoffs, but I mean, you never know. So when is when is the MLB playoffs? I have soon. I think. I feel like that always happens. I'm like, oh, is the season about to start? And then someone will be like, dude, they're about to be in the playoffs. <laughs> I played yeah, fantasy. I played fantasy baseball this year, and I like week one of the regular season i was like okay the season's over i mean it's not it's fantasy playoffs is going on right now i'm in them but i'm like i don't know i'm not checking it i'm too busy playing fantasy football and doing football stuff like i, I remember made it. fantasy baseball was the first sport i got into and I, I remember having to manage like all right i gotta make sure i have a pitcher that has two starts this week yeah and i was just and doing that every week i did that yeah. for like a month i was like, i can't i can't do this too much too much. I don't have the attention span to draft my own team or manage it in fantasy. Yeah. Like, I keep saying, all right, this year is different. <laughs> I took a year off. 
I just didn't appreciate it enough. And this is the year that I'll really care. And I just never remember that I have one until someone's making fun of me for getting blown out because three of my guys are on a bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in, I have 18 teams. So I'm, we're like on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> is that, was that a joke or you literally have eight? No, I literally have 18 teams. Yeah. Yeah. What, where do you find time? How do you uh, have time for that and what? children? Listen, man, I, you, I just, you make time, I guess. I don't know. I just do. Uh, a lot of them. A lot of them, um, a lot of them are like dynasty leagues. So, so it's just kind of the upkeep of the of the league. It's not like the draft stuff or whatever. So, not that, that makes it any better. But like, yeah, but dude, that's well, dude. It's eighteen fantasy leagues. That is literally incomprehensible. Yeah, no, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, Anto- the Antonio Cromartie of fantasy leagues. I am. Yeah, I am. Fantasy leagues. <laughs> 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 so, all right. Let's get that. Let's get you the hell out of here, Taylor. Yeah. We appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for coming through. Before you leave, everyone should be following you, Tay. We, I mean, but it, just in case they're not. Okay. By the way, love the new headshots with the NFL in the background. Look pretty awesome. Very sharp. Looks. Uh, I didn't even know that was happening. Dude. You boys I legit. Myself at all. I that's found out look, that day. <laughs> that's gonna look amazing on your LinkedIn. If that's not already your LinkedIn profile picture, it should be. Honestly, now that I'm actually employed, <laughs> like, I forgot about my LinkedIn, but that is a very good idea. Uh, see, look at that. So, but anyways, uh, why don't you, uh, you know, just tell everyone where they can see you and read you and hear you and everything else. Sure. Uh, so Twitter, I am at tkyles39, K-Y-L-E-S. Um, I'm also writing for CLNS this year. So if you look up Taylor Kyle CLNS, you'll see some of my stuff on there. And obviously, Pat's Pulpit, my first love. I'm going to be doing some stuff here still, like previews and stuff like that with uh, our good buddy, Burn. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Love pretty it. much it. I just said like three different things. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, keep yourself yeah. busy. That's all. Yeah. And look so. out for next-gen stats stuff. If you see any uh, Patriots games or anything or some primetime games with next-gen stats, just know that your old buddy Tay sent them. Love it. Love can it. A, can we get a route chart of Devontae Parker, please? I was looking for that the other day. And... I can give it to you right now. <laughs> and maybe a little bit of this. That's about it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Also, we're gonna have to over the off season, we have to bring you back on for a for a Marvel podcast. There's been a whole lot of Marvel stuff that's happened yeah. since since the real, armchair superheroes were around. Quick, so real quick, what do you think about She Hulk so far? I actually really like it. Yes. I like I like the way that they are poking fun at things yes. and they're having like it's okay to have fun. I think mm-hmm. people just we like expect so much from them that it's like it's okay to just have fun right with a show and like this show has been a lot of fun. And people are very upset because like they're pointing out like serious disparities that women have and they're like well that's just stupid and i'm like well no actually that's like the truth no one just says that stuff you know what i mean right and they're like well no no it isn't and you're like yeah it is and they're like well okay maybe it is you maybe you're right you know what i mean like but it's just and it's not the best show but it's like but it's fun and like i'm okay with that like and that's it like i know what i'm expecting i'm not expecting you know end game when i turn it on Mm -hmm. but i'm just we're having fun for half an hour and i'm okay with that you know and then we get in the cameos. I think this might be the third of a week. So, I know. I think so too. Yeah, dude. That the the drop at the end. I was like, oh my god, there it is. Like, yeah, it was. Oh, great. The one thing about the show that I cannot stand, <laughs> they make it seem like Tatiana Maslany is this just horribly unattractive person that, like, I if know. she's not She Hulk, no one would find her attractive. I'm like, get the Which is out sad. of here. Are you kidding yeah, me? I know. She's 
stunning. Like literally yeah. like actively being insulted. And I'm like, she is such a sweet, beautiful person on top yeah. of this, like she seems cool as hell in real life too. Well, of course. That's and my that's, one real gripe is that I like, agree with you. But it's it's the right. it's the she's all that effect, right? Where it's like it's yeah. she's clearly good looking, but it's like, well, you know, she's she's not really, even though she is, but you know, it's it's one of those things. But other than that, like you said, super entertaining. Like the show's all over the place a little bit. Also, yeah. the supporting cast, dude. Pug, <laughs> I'm obsessed awesome. with. I'm obsessed with Pug. The best friend, uh, Gina Gonzalez. I think her name is. Yeah, like she's that. awesome. Ginger Gonzalez, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh man, uh, this is not this is not the super podcast show. I'm sorry, I opened that. I know, but no, but but that's She Hulk. <laughs> yeah, do I, it. I, not, I don't know if I've watched a Marvel a piece of Marvel content since Endgame. I got yeah. I got behind on stuff and just. Now I'm that's overwhelmed tough. by the amount yeah, you of got, fucking up. It's like Grey's Anatomy. Once you're behind, it's like that's, oh, that's man. Like months of commitment. I will, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to make sure to catch up on the Spider-Man movies. I haven't seen the most recent one. Yes. I like Tom Holland's Spider-Man. That's a top 10 MCU movie. I haven't had it spoiled for me somehow, and I'm just tempting fate right now. So I'm going to make I'm going to have to see this now before I log on to Twitter again. But um, <laughs> now that someone knows it hasn't been spoiled, nice to Twitter, don't you it. dare let know, him enjoy right? it. Yeah, I feel like I almost might have spoiled it for you. I feel like I've tweeted, I tweet about it like once a month when I watch it, it just makes me ball. And I'm like, Satana is so I love good. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so good. So, all right, let's 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 go before because I mean, this could be a whole nother hour of podcast, <laughs> but. But uh, it would be so I know, yeah, right? Force me out of here. <laughs> so, well, thanks everyone. We appreciate you guys listening, and we'll be back uh, on Sunday, a little bit later on Sunday because I'll be at the game. But uh, I'll be back on Sunday. Um, for we'll be back on Sunday for a instant reaction to hopefully, hopefully, a Patriots win. But even if not, just at least a competitive game. I, I'm predicting a win. I'm going out and I'm doing it. Look at that. That's win this game. I love it. I'm going to predict a close loss because I'm a jinx. So there you go. Be the opposite. There you go. I'm predicting a loss too, but hopefully it's a good game. We'll see. I'm a lone wolf over here. I love it. The Ravens in week three, like there's much Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in week three. Coming off a devastating loss in Miami. Like I feel like if they had blown out Miami, I'd feel differently coming off a devastating loss against Miami. I just feel like they're going to be extra motivated, but you never know. Sometimes the games the Patriots win. You know? If the Patriots win this one, I'm going to be very interested to see the national media opinions yeah. afterwards because the Patriots haven't gotten a lot of covers through two weeks, and right. rightfully so. They're just kind of there in the middle I right can speak now. I to that personally as the person who partially is responsible for <laughs> what goes <laughs> out of there. It's not been a lot of past stuff. So yeah, No, and that's how it is. But you beat the Ravens, and the Ravens are now 1-2 and two with two losses to the AFC East. And suddenly... People are going to yep. talk a little bit. AFC beast, actually. That's right. Beast, yes. No doubt. Jets need to Joe, pick it up a little bit. Joe Flacco hey, killing hey, it. Hey, they were doing the Lord's work last week by beating the Browns. Hey, so. they did true. say, they did say Zach night. Wilson's going to be playing, going to be practicing soon, and they, they're hoping to get him ready for week four. So I don't know if that's encouraging. I don't know if that's good <laughs> for, for Jets fans or not, but I mean, you know, there, there it is. So. Anyways, all right, guys. Thanks a lot, and uh, thank you, Taylor. And we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. We'll have you back on at some point. We get three hours left in us, so we get you know we got to do we do a few more shows together. Hell yeah! So, see you guys.